Hello, and welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is Kim Groves, hoping you had a lovely weekend. I hope you also had a chance to listen to our rebuttal on the dating of the destruction of Jericho by Peter Biankowski, and I look forward to presenting Dr. Wood's rebuttal to Biankowski on Thursday. And today we are going to discuss, continue our discussion, on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be talking about Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, which is the verses on salt and light. So remember last week we discussed the character and blessedness of the citizens of heaven and the citizens of the kingdom um, through the Beatitudes. So in the final Beatitude, Jesus described the attitude the world would often display toward the citizens of the kingdom. And to refresh, that was of ten, verses 10 through 12, blessed are they which suffer persecution for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed shall ye be when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake falsely rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you and we're going to continue with the uh he continues to describe the opposite of what how the world would uh, treat the citizens of the kingdom. He in the We're going to talk about the influence of the kingdom upon the world and using the metaphors of salt and light. So I'm going to read the, 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 the pertinent verses. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, he starts out, Jesus starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. And a lot of, this is an expression that we use quite often when we talk about people. Oh, you're the salt of the earth. Well, what does that mean? So salt has several characteristics. It enhances flavor. It preserves. It is a earth mineral. Um, and based on the context... It's probably salt's ability to enhance flavor to which Jesus refers. Because he says, notice he says, but if the salt loses its savor. So salt has the ability to give flavor to that which is otherwise bland. And I actually, my grandfather, my late grandfather, had a, a heart attack. And of course he was advised to go on a low salt diet. And literally, we could use no added salt for anything. And he, my, my, my mom and dad would put salt and pepper on the table for us to salt and season our own food. And the difference in the flavor when I could salt my food with just a little bit of salt, it, compared to it being bland and boring, was 
incredible. So the, you cannot underestimate salt's ability to season and flavor anything. It enhances the flavor, brings the flavors out. I have a friend of mine who likes to eat salt on his watermelon, and I love to eat salt on cantaloupe, have for my entire life. It enhances the flavor. So again, uh, Job also mentioned the ability in Job chapter 6, verse 6, uh, of the ability of salt to actually liven up things. Now, through the metaphor of salt, Jesus shows that the relationship of the citizens of the kingdom to the world is one of making the world palatable or bearable to God and possibly to others as well. And making it possible for God to continue to bear with this world and its distasteful wickedness. Because remember, God has already made promises to his people that he will never destroy the world again with a flood. So he, he is a keeper of his promises, even though we don't always keep our promises. So again, having his citizens be the salt of the world allows God to say, they give the world flavor. They, they make it easier for me to tolerate. The idea that the righteous few can make it easier for God to forbear the many wicked is illustrated in Abraham's conversation with God over Sodom in Genesis 18 verses 20 through 32 and in God's dealing with Jerusalem in Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. From God's point of view, the citizens of the kingdom give the world what good flavor it has. So, so in other words, when we are in the kingdom and we are living the commandments and we are living in the law and righteousness, we're giving the world flavor. And that flavor comes through to everybody, not just to God, but to everybody that we come in contact with. Now, Jesus also warns us against losing our flavoring ability. And it's very easy for us to lose that flavoring ability. With pure salt, pure salt actually never loses its flavor. But when mixed with impurities, salt can lose its ability to enhance flavor. So, impurities. Well, what kind of impurities? Iodine. For example, what you see today as most salt is sold with iodine in it. And I can tell the difference between when I use kosher salt, which does not have iodine in it, and iodized salt. To me, I use less kosher salt than I do iodized salt because to me, kosher salt is, well, saltier. Um, because it doesn't have that added iodine. And there's a whole thing why you should have extra iodine, but for what little bit I use, I will take what I can get with the, the, with the um, kosher salt. So we might lose our ability to be a flavoring agent for the world when we introduce impurities into our life. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, um, that is expressed, and let me flip to that page. Excuse me, I don't like flipping. Uh, very much, 15. 
Be not deceived. Evil, evil speakings corrupt good manners. So, in other words, when we speak those evil things, we're corrupting. We're in. We're we're tainting ourselves with impurities, which lessens our ability to flavor the world and salt the world. Um, and in Ephesians, we need. Uh, we're told we need to keep ourselves from sin. In Ephesians chapter five. Verses 3 through 7. Let me get over there to that. Uh, let's see. Chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. For, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as it become saints. Neither filthiness, neither foolish talking, neither jesting, which are things not comely, but rather giving of thanks. For ye, this ye know, that no whoremonger, neither unclean person, nor covetous person, which is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for such things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore companions with them. So we're, we're told by Paul that we are to keep ourselves from sin in the, the best we can. We are not to purposely go out and seek sin. So again, by introducing the impurities in our lives, we become less flavorful, less palatable. We make the dish of the earth much less palatable. And because we are less salty or less flavorful, other people notice that as well. Not just God notices it, but other people notice it. Now, what happens if we lose our flavor? How are we going to be seasoned? So impurities, that sin that we have allowed to creep into our lives, stops us from being useful. The more sin we have, the more impurities that are in us, the more of us that are needed in order to season the world, to season the earth, to show how rich and flavorful the life in the kingdom can be. So we can be thrown out if we become too unpalatable, if we become too impure, if we can be thrown out and trampled. Um, so is Jesus teaching the possibility of losing our salvation? And he certainly does that elsewhere in Matthew chapter 13 and, and Revelations 3. He, he teaches us that we can lose our, uh, our salvation. Now, first of all, then, we are told that the relationship of the citizens of the kingdom to the world from God's point of view. You are the salt of the earth. So this is God's point of view. You are the salt of the earth. Continuing, we find Jesus teaching concerning the citizens of the kingdom as to their primary function in the world. So what is what is my primary function as a citizen of the kingdom in the world? So I'm told I am the light of the world. Me, little old me, I am the light of the world. I am used by God to transmit his glory to the world. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I Sometimes I'm horrible at this. But I am used to transmit. We are light in a dark world. The world can be very dark, very scary. And we are that light in the world that shows what living a life for Christ can be. 
So our purpose is to proclaim the praises of God. We should constantly have praise on our lips. We should be in a, a constant state of rejoicing, even through the bad things. Because even with the difficulties that we go through in our lives, we can still rejoice. Um, I recently had a friend whose mother was diagnosed with COVID. And we are praying. We are rejoicing because this is giving us all a chance to empower and expand our prayer life as we pray for for healing for her and and i haven't ever had well i've, I've had it hit close to home but this is a person i know very very well and and i feel feel for her and her mother going through coronavirus so we are not a light in and of ourselves we are not a light in and of ourselves we are only lit because of the lord the lord is that flame within us we are simply a conduit for it christ is the true and original light okay and he lights our candle in us okay we are simply luminaries reflecting the one true light just as the moon reflects off the sun so or the moon reflects the sun so in other words, when, and I'll, I'll bring up uh, being in, in the Methodist church, when we light candles, we have what we light the candles with. That's the original light. And I light the candles with this original light. And we, that is, that candle is just a luminary, which it reflects that light back because that Christ light has already been lit. And that's how it is with us. That Christ light is lit with, and he puts it into us and we reflect it back out to the world. And I think we've all heard the expression, you get what you give. And what you put out into the world is what you give back. You put out love, you put out a peace, you put out harmony, you put out God's grace. That's what you're going to get back. You put out hate, discord, dissension, evil. That's what you're going to get back. Um, so we, we, we need to understand that, that concept. Now, citizens of the kingdom have a twofold responsibility as the light of the world. What do we have to do? Well, what is light? Light has to be visible. It has to be visible. Jesus implied this in his use of a city and a lampstand as metaphors. So we are a city on a hill. We put our lamp on a lampstand. We expect, we are expected to allow ourselves to be seen by the world and we must radiate and give light we must radiate that light of christ outwards so this is conveyed in the principle the uh, idea of the lamp a lamp is designed to shine on the lampstand and i'm not going to put it under a basket when i turn my light on in my bedroom do i stick a bucket over it so i can't see no the whole point of me having light is to see. So if I hide my light, my Christ light, from everyone else, they're not going to see the beauty of the kingdom. They're not going to see the joy that comes from living a Christian life. They're not going to see anything because it's going to be too, too dark. So I need to constantly reflect the light back out that Christ has put in me. And I need to be visible. I need to be a visible light. And I, I do try to do that every day in my life. And again, I'm, I'm the first, going to be the first to tell you, I am not a perfect person. And I don't even try to pretend to be a perfect person. I have all the imperfections. 
but I repent for them and I try every day to be a little bit better than I was before. The principle explicitly stated in let your light so shine before men. So it's visible radiation so that we can glorify the Father. So we are a reflection of the Father. The Father reflects off of us, or we reflect off the Father. So the Father gives us the light and we reflect it back out into the world. And that is what we need to do. So why should we be concerned with being the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Because of the one who is described as your father who is in heaven. This expression reminds us that God is both tender, so he is our father, a form of tenderness, a term of tenderness, and majestic because he's in heaven. Such a majestic being who is willing to be our father makes him worthy to be pleased and worthy to be praised. So we need to remember that we need to reflect back. We need to season and flavor the world that we're in with our Christian uh, beliefs, our Christian um, behavior, uh, our following of Christian laws and reflecting in love. And we need to be a light of the world and we need to re uh, transmit the glory of God. We need to reflect that light. We need it to be a visible light and we need to radiate it out. And we don't need to hide our light when we are children of God and we are the, his light on this earth and we are his salt on this earth. So um, th those, are, those are the two principles we need to take away from today's devotional. I think that about uh, sums up our conversation on salt and light. Again, I love hearing from you. Um, you can reach out to me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at, at podcast underscore past and on Facebook at Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged. I encourage you to join us on Thursday when, we'll, when we will discuss Bryant Wood's rebuttal to Piotr Biankowski on the dating of Jericho's destruction. And I look forward to hearing from you then. And as always, I encourage you to Stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. God bless.